Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking. Today is the power hour. I've got Bruce and John and Ethan with me from Pittsburgh Power. We'll take your calls and answer your questions. Thing maintenance. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, modifications, upgrades, emissions, electrical, new technology. You name it, we'll talk about it. Well, you have to be Thank you, Kevin, for having us. As always, it's our pleasure. Great to have you here, John and Ethan. Hi, Kevin. Great to be here. Yep, always great to be here, Kevin. All right. Good to have you here again. Uh, we have somebody monitoring our phone systems today because we tend to have that Tuesday curse. For some reason, phone company monitoring the show today to see if we have Then, of course, we won't, right? Isn't that how troubleshooting always goes? Oh, well, it, it is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So I'm sure that's what's going to happen today. We'll have a flawless day, so that'll be good. Um, I've got uh, just a couple things, and then we'll see what you guys have, and then we'll get to some phone calls. Uh, did you guys see the autonomous test that Embark just finished? I have not seen that one, no. Embark is the company that's running. Um, they do. Uh, they're, they're the same company that have they've been running the appliances from like out in California. They, yeah, yeah, I'm familiar. I'm familiar. Yeah, they just completed what they're calling the first coast to coast, L.A. to Jacksonville. Yeah. Um, le- okay, that's cool. Yeah, it was level two autonomy, so there was a driver in the seat the whole time. They did say the driver had to interact with the truck a couple times for a couple seconds. But for the most part, the truck did the run by itself. They did it in five days because the driver was still subject to five-day run. Uh, they're going to be coming back uh, soon enough. Anyway, but their claim is that they are working towards level economy, which would be no driver They think they'll have it in, they said, a few years. Regulations. Their model is almost going back to the kind of hub and spoke that we used to use with a lot of the LTL companies, and they still do, where their autonomous vehicles will move right from hub to hub and then local drivers will make the They're actually saying it will increase driving jobs, not decrease it, which is kind of interesting. And local jobs are in high demand. I mean, you very seldom see turnover in local jobs, and yet we have 100% turnover in over-the-road So, you know, the autonomous revolution for the next decade or so could actually improve things. I read an article to that effect. Uh, I, I was doing some traveling this weekend, had some airplane time. There was a uh, stat that the industry is due to believe the number retire 
something like seventy or eighty thousand. Oh, it's people it, in the next year or two. It's, it's just huge, based on yeah. age, right? It's big. higher than that. It was. It was. It was. It was I take that back. It, it, it was like four hundred thousand. Excuse me. It was higher than that. Right. And with the demand for trucking right now, there's going to be a demand for three hundred thousand more over the next numerous years. So it's nearly a million drivers we're going to count. So the autonomous is almost going to be necessary to keep things moving. Period. And the other jobs are just going to go up. So they think the total number of people driving trucks in the future is going to be increasing demand over the next fifteen or twenty years, regardless of the you know how fast the autonomous. So it's, it all balances out from uh, from the things I've been reading. Yeah, and I think it's a positive because, again, you know, we're because of hours of service and ELDs and the driver shortage, I, I think we're going to have to find ways to integrate long distances without drivers because that's where all the big turnover is. It's the big truckload carriers that have all the local driving jobs or even regional driving jobs. You hardly ever see turnover. I think we're going to create a lot more of that. I think with autonomous and just shifting the supply chain the way things are looking, that we're going to see a lot more driving jobs that keep you closer to home, whether it's truly local and you're home every night or even regional. When I, I very seldom did really long over-the-road did some of it in my career, but when I had my own authority, I just scheduled my freight, so I was home a couple times a week. Now, I would run fairly regional and get back through the house during the week once. And I, I was always shocked that the industry doesn't work harder to move towards that. Now I think they're going to be forced to. With the driver shortage and the ELD mandate and autonomous vehicles, I think that's really the trend. And I think it's a good trend. Oh, I agree. I agree. And on our end, it's simply going to be more trucks on the road. For yeah. those of us in the business of repairing these things and working on them, I mean, you know, we need to start hiring some kids who understand LIDAR systems and things like that. But, I mean, I think that there's going to be, uh, you know, even more demand, you know, on our end. I mean, it's, it's going to not affect us much at all. Uh, if anything positive, I believe, it's, you know, that there's going to be way more trucks on the road. So that's, uh, it's, 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 you know, not a big deal for us at all. Yeah. Then one other thing on that topic, and then I have one more topic. At the other end of the spectrum, so we have Embark, who's really sub-autonomous, which makes it awful. The other big push I'm starting to see, though, are these last-mile delivery vans. That seems to be a big thing right now. A lot of companies I haven't even heard of, and they already have vehicles. They've got these funky-looking, you know, Hmm. kind of container-on-wheels things. And their whole push is they're going to do that last mile delivery with the fully autonomous vehicle. I mean, these things aren't even designed like a truck or a van. They're, they're not designed to have a human in them at all. That's interesting. I was in Austin, Texas over the weekend, and there were a ton of those little uh, pod-type cabs running around everywhere. They weren't autonomous. Right? I didn't see any autonomous ones, but they were the little square boxes, basically, you could fit you know, six or nine people in and they're tiny and they're all electric and they, you know, I didn't see one that was autonomous, but that doesn't mean there weren't any that were there, but they were all over the streets there in Austin. It was really interesting. Yeah. That, that, that last mile, you know, with an autonomous delivery vehicle, that's just basically high cube, just designed to move freight around. That seems to be the other right. push. 
um, which again is kind of interesting. I don't see that having any impact on our listeners. I mean, it'll have an impact, but I don't see a negative impact. That's not the kind of freight they move anyway. So really, I think all the news around autonomous right now is is looking better and better all the time for drivers. The other thing I saw, um, and John, you and I talked about this. This was just the logical thing, and now it's official. Um, The companies that are ordering Tesla's truck, um, they're all working with Tesla now to put in all their own chargers. I mean, that, that was just logical. They weren't saying it, but right. you and I talked about it. But now it's official. UPS, Pepsi, Anheuser-Busch, I think. They're all, you know, Tesla is already working to build out charging stations in their locations. That makes total sense. Oh, and which, which to me, that's the biggest profit. I think that's going to be the biggest profit center in, in Tesla's uh, business plan is going to be the charging <laughs> stations and infrastructure. Like I said, as soon as he gets blown out of the water by everybody else, uh, that's all going to be in place, and that's going to be his work, and that's where they're going to profit, I believe. Yeah, and if we look at that model, that's good for drivers too. I'll tell you, the, the biggest pain in the ass for me when I'm on the road, whether it was before in the truck or not, I'm actually leaving in the coach. I'll probably be gone for two weeks. hate getting fuel. Absolutely hate it things about being on the road and now when you look at this model you know the the drivers for these companies won't ever move their oh they'll just drive when they get to a location no. it'll get plugged in and they'll go do their thing and they come back to a fully charged truck and off they go i think that's another positive yep <laughs> no yeah, but i don't have here. trouble buying fuel Bruce, you, you haven't... Uh, he didn't now, say he had trouble. Don't, he just doesn't uh, like doing it. No, I just don't like doing it. But I'll tell you what's changed, Bruce. <laughs> what? You know, I, I, people will tell me all the time, oh, you, you're out of touch. You haven't been on the road in a long time. Well, it wasn't that long ago that I was driving a truck, and I'm still on the road, and I still hit truck stops, and I still do virtually all the same things in a very large, heavy vehicle. But uh, let me tell you what's changed. And most things haven't really changed. But I'll tell you one thing that has changed, and it's one of the things that makes me crazy about getting fuel today. We'll be right back. Stick around. Kevin Rutherford, the number to join us, 
888-888-ROAD. Dog, this is the power hour. I've got Bruce and Ethan and John with me. Um, so here, here is one thing that has changed somewhat, Bruce. For the most part, driving a truck is just like it was 30 years ago. You've got traffic and miles and all those things. But I, I don't know what causes this, but it's also probably the biggest complaint you see on Facebook. I see this all the time. The way a the, the truck stop should work is, you know, they've got all the pumps. You pull in. Sometimes it's two or three deep waiting to get to a pump. It is shocking how many people you should pump your fuel, move up. They have a line that tells you exactly how far to move up, parks so you can walk in and finish your paperwork. It's surprising how many people don't understand that or are just too rude. They leave their truck at the pump. Whereas if they would just pull up, then the next truck can start fueling at least because it takes a while. Or they'll pull up and they'll leave it there, go have lunch, take a shower, a nap, who knows what. And now you're stuck behind them. You've got your fuel, you've paid for it, and you can't get out. It, it is unbelievable how often that happens. I recently climbed into a vehicle, a car, to move it forward, and there was a lady sitting in the back seat. <laughs> and I said to her, I said, uh, whoever's driving this needs to learn how to move their vehicle when they're done pumping their gasoline. <laughs> right. And, uh, yeah. and when the owner came out, they didn't say anything to me. And uh, it, was a, <laughs> it was a foreigner, but uh, that had nothing to do with it. But I, I understand that. If you go into the Flying J RV Island at nighttime, usually you don't have any problems. Usually there's no one there. Yeah, and I, and that I I do that a lot because I try to stay out of the fuel islands anyway as much as possible because then I'm just one more vehicle there somebody has to wait for. Um, so if I can hit an RV, you know, right. one of the problems, and I wish Flying J would fix this, is that their stupid RV pumps still kick off at seventy five dollars. It takes me 400 to fill up the coach. I have to restart that thing three and four times. It's just stupid. So, well, that's that's my rant Send for today. Send them a letter, Kevin. I know. I know. That's my rant for today. Okay. I normally don't complain, but today I'm complaining. All right. I got a couple of things I need to talk about. All right. Our second snowmobile conference, moving it back a weekend. It's going to be March 1st, 2nd, 3rd, and 4th. We will arrive at the Line Shack Lodge in Dubois, Wyoming, and ride Togety Mountain. Phone number for the Line Shack Lodge is 307-455. 32 32 $75 per person per night. And they do have a restaurant. Now, in Dubois, there are about 10 motels, and you might be able to find a place to stay more economical, and that's okay. But we arrive on Thursday the 1st, and we leave on either you can leave Sunday evening or Monday morning. Most of us stick around and Depart Monday morning. Where are you going to be and again? The, our last conference, we're going to be at 
the Line Shack Lodge in Dubois, Wyoming, which is at the bottom of the mountain, just over one mountain from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Ah, got it. So if you were to fly in, you would fly into Jackson Hole. You know, Bruce, this was the first one I was going to go to, but now I can't because you moved it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we didn't move it. (laughs) We didn't move it. The first one we had to move because why our Utah has no snow. Yeah. Utah and Colorado are very, very light on snow this year. So, And uh, I also wanted to mention that... uh, Lamar Cohen turbocharged his Polaris. Um, my hat's off to him. I didn't know he was as mechanically inclined as he is. He did it in Mike Lane's trailer in 38-degree temperature in Ogden, Utah, in the dark. Uh, now, we had flashlights, but he did it, and it's, and it's working. I, I paid to have my turbo put on my Skidoo, and all I can say is, wow. Zero to 60 in two seconds. Is fast, and it did get me into trouble a couple of times. It got me about four times places where I shouldn't have been, because there is just no stopping a turbocharged snowmobile, and we're only using six pounds of turbo boost. That's how powerful air being injected into a gasoline engine is. You know, Bruce, I was just looking at the map, yeah. and I, I, you know, I'm not going to make any promises, but I'll be heading back from Fort Worth. Normally, I go up through Utah because I love going through Moab, um, but it, it's not that far out of the way to go up through Colorado instead, and not that far off 80, although I'd have to backtrack back to 80 when I left there because getting out of there through the passes this time of year is never any fun. Sorry, coming back to 80 is not a big deal. No, it doesn't you look like it's that off. far. But think about it. You uh, you would enjoy it. I'll take a look. I don't have my whole schedule worked out, but I've got uh, engagements while I'm out on the road. So maybe we'll see. What else you got? Well, good. The other thing is, uh, I'm seeing the five EK cats, the '95, '96s, and '97s. The engines you can buy pretty cheap now, like thirty-five hundred dollars. And you can build those and put in your glider kit, and 